and we are. Oh, are we? Are we? And we are live. Yep. So welcome back. This is Down to the Wire. I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Carter Adams. And let's get let's just jump right into it. Jump right into it. Alright, so last time we left off, we were talking about possible uh possible landing destinations for, for the running back Leonard Fournette. We were just jumping around, probably trying to think of a couple locations. What, what were some locations you were talking about? Again? Uh, we were talking about Miami potentially. Miami was a Miami was a big one I was thinking about. Uh, what was it? I don't remember the other ones. I think you I think you had there were some there were a couple locations down in. It wasn't we weren't talking about the Bucks unfortunately, but no, now, not at all. No, <laughs> so I mean I I know the Bucks were brought up, but I but I kind of dismissed them basically on the fact that. You know, I, I just thought that there were way too many running backs in that room. And it's not too often you see a, a team stacking up like the Golden State Warriors. Do. I know. Yeah. I mean, the Buccaneers are going for it. They are they are going for it. I mean, they have a very small timeline to win win yep. some stuff. They definitely so, do. Uh, I mean, I don't blame them. Certainly the smartest move. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, no. So the kind of the reason I was kind of a not the biggest fan of of Fournette to the Bucks is because. They already have Ronald Jones, and they already have Lashawn McCoy in that back in that backfield. Yeah, they certainly have some talent back there. But, yeah, you know Leonard Fournette's not going to hurt. Oh no, definitely. I think I mean he's probably the best back now on, in that backfield. So I think obviously if you're trying to improve that position, like they completely succeeded with that. Yeah. However, I do think that you know it, it could it be a situation of too many cooks because I mean you got Brady who's going to be the star of the show down there. You got Evans. You got Godwin. I mean, another another position they're super loaded up at is tight end, where you got three of them. You got Gronk, Brate, and OJ Howard. So that's just going to be another position, and it's like, are they going to try to find a way to split the time? Are they going to do something like that? It's definitely going to be a very yeah. weird kind and of year. As much down as there. I want to say that uh, Tom Brady is going to run the show, unfortunately, I I can't agree with you there because yeah. I I think Tom Brady, he's older. Uh, I think they're getting Leonard Fournette for a reason. I think. It, uh, they are trying to minimize the workload that Tom Brady has to put on himself. No, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I know back in New England, the Pats went with more of a, like in Brady's later years, they kind of went with more of a power running team, and that actually really worked very well for them. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with that kind of offense. And even in the days of like Stephen Ridley too, the fumble yeah. king. So I mean, if you actually kind of want to think about it, I mean, if you had to. In a way, I guess, uh, if you're looking at these running backs, you could kind of compare them to Patriots running backs of old. Like, you look at a guy like Leonard Fournette, and he's almost like a beefier version of, say, of, say a LeGarrette Blunt, where he is that, where he is going to be that bull rush guy, but he, you can use him on more, than, on more than just a couple downs and just to get that small yardage. He can be an every-down back. And then you look at guys like a LaShawn McCoy. He's going to be that guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And then Ronald Jones is basically just going to be that guy in between. It's very similar to the weapons we saw in New England, except superstar names. Exactly. So, I mean, LaShawn McCoy, had this been five, six years ago, it would have been it would have been a stellar, this would have been a stellar running back core. But obviously McCoy is aged at this point. So it's definitely, so obviously he's not the player he once was, but he's still obviously a, a decent threat in that backfield. Yeah, I mean, LaShawn McCoy, like you said, he's getting older. He hasn't necessarily impressed me too much, especially in fantasy, because he's always the biggest disappointment. Super inconsistent. <laughs> he's either on or off. Yeah. But you get Tom Brady as much talent as you can, and that's how you go for it. You see it in the NBA. You, you see it all the time. Yeah, no. So, I mean, right now, from what we've seen over Tom Brady's whole career, is that he's been able to take, you know, kind of low-level guys and elevate them to be, you know, 
more to be to, he's taken below average players and gotten them to average average players and gotten to above average and he's been able to turn superstars and just into just franchise changing players so i think now in his older age i mean you kind of saw it last year where he still was able to like get a little bit bit out of some of the out of some of the younger guys but I mean, the Jacoby Myers of the world and the Keel Harrys of the world, they really kind of struggled. They in need a Cam now. Newton to develop them. That could that could be, you know, the, the step that, that follows it. But Brady, but Brady just wasn't able to kind of gel with those guys like like he is hopefully down in Tampa where, yeah. you know, these guys will be I mean, he, he in an was upper on his way out, too, yeah. clearly, looking back on the season. Yeah. And um, speaking, speaking of Cam Newton, I don't want to segue too much away from the topic, but Cam Newton was also named the captain. Yeah, on the page. No, I mean that's which, a- which honestly didn't surprise me based on some of the things that Belichick was saying. Uh, all over Instagram, you see quotes: uh, no, "No one works harder than Cam does." Yeah, and that's something that you don't expect from a guy like Belichick. Yeah, but yeah, but is that re- like but that? is that really Cam though? Like, but is that really Belichick? You think praising Cam, or do you think it's more of just like the media blowing it up, or is it just something that Belichick does to a lot of guys? I mean, I saw a list of, of people who Belichick has said that to. He said that about 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 tight end Tim Wright in 2014. I mean, I mean, I'm a Pats fan, so I remember Tim Wright. But I mean, most, but most, I could tell you that there's probably a good number of Pats fans that are just like who. I mean, I remember him yep. vividly. I mean, I know he was the backup tight end to Gronk, and he did great. But I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a weird a weird thing that you know I if if Belichick really and truly believes that Cam is working harder than anyone, that really says something because I mean, obviously his yeah. his input yeah. is incredible. and I mean I believe that he's working harder than everyone else because he, he's coming into New England trying to fill Tom Brady's shoes, Tom Brady's yeah. shoes, and he's named a captain immediately yeah. right off the bat in his first season. I think. Cam Newton. I think I agree with Belichick. Nobody works harder than Cam Newton. Nah, he's I, having fun up there too. He's having so much fun. You see him dancing around at practices and stuff. He's still the same Cam, but I think he's in the right place now. That's good. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you on that. So it's definitely going to be you know can Cam can Cam can yeah can Cam take the pass weapons that Brady couldn't elevate and bring it and bring it to a new level? And what can Brady do with these weapons that? For a long time in Tampa, kind of had like Mike, the Mike Evans and Godwin to the world. Really didn't have too great of a quarterback, even though a lot of people look at a guy like Jameis Winston and says, you know what, he's he's had a rough start, but he was he was a 30-30 guy in the worst way possible. Yeah, and I, I was seeing so many headlines about uh, how Cam Newton had such an amazing chemistry with Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. And uh, we unfortunately just released Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, I didn't get that too much at all. Not I mean, at all. From what I can tell, he had a very team-friendly contract with the team. Definitely. So it's unless they're trying to do some weird restructuring, because I know a lot of teams will do that where they'll end up cutting a guy, they'll get rid of the – because for some reason, like restructuring wouldn't do it. So sometimes you do have to cut a guy to, to work out the guarantees on a contract and restructure it that way. If they do it and they bring him back on, that's awesome. But really at this point in time, I think if Belichick is trying to you know compete with Cam, I don't know what cutting a guy like Sanu who – who, like you said, has this great chemistry. I don't know what that really does. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Mohamed Sanu, he didn't he didn't do too much last season. He was one of those guys. He was almost coming in like a rookie because it's not like he knew the offense or anything, and that was very clear in the in the plays that he did play on. But I think Cam definitely could have brought out the the most in Mohamed Sanu, just like all these other young guys that Tom Brady. Took. I mean, one he could have brought out the most of them, and two, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this, but I but I could tell Mohamed Sanu was clearly injured. I mean, he he had he had leg problems. He wasn't himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, and Sanu just like Cam pre- looked pretty healthy too going into this year. If he could have been that guy that he had been, you know, for for the Falcons and for all these other teams, 
then yeah, I'd say that I would say uh, he that I would say you know have higher expectations than what he was with the Pats last year because when he's healthy, Mohamed Sanu is a very good receiver. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the number one that the Pats were kind of probably have him be as a deep threat kind of guy, but I mean he's at least a he's at least a two A kind of guy when he's healthy. I agree. Yeah. So uh, also so also in the NFL, uh, unfortunately, you know, longtime Patriots kicker Stephen Kostowski was on the free agent market for a while, but he is finally heading to the Tennessee he's Titans. Finally heading out. I yeah. mean, I I can't even think of replacing him. Yeah, it's definitely going to be weird. I mean, right now the the QB competition I believe is between a veteran Nick Folk. He's kicked with the Jets. He kicked with the Pats last year, among other teams. And it's also between rookie Justin Rohrwasser. I don't know if you know about him too much, but he actually was pretty good at Marshall. But it that's that's probably one of the storylines that really isn't being covered going into camp. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Gostowski, just like Tom Brady, he's a vet on the Pats. Uh, he's going to need some, some big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. He's hit a lot of clutch field goals when he needs to. Um, the, the kicking position in New England scared me a lot last season. It was a big weakness. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was it was. I just. A, I just hope we could. I just hope Belichick knows more than we do. Yeah. I mean, the kicking <laughs> position last year was ugly. I mean, it was Stephen Gaskowski who who was who was hurt. Then Kai Forbath, Mike Nugent, Nick Folk. I mean, no one knew who was really going to be out there for the Pats because it was just a different guy every week. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Stephen Stephen Gaskowski, uh, like Adam and Terry, was in a had an illustrious career as a New England Patriot. Was fantastic when healthy. And really, up until up until that uh, missed extra point against Denver in the 2015 AFC Championship game, w was off, was probably he had if, never really hit a breaking point. He had really that. he had really never hit a breaking point. And besides Justin Tucker, there was really no one challenging him to, as the best kicker in the league. That's true. Yeah. So I mean, definitely props to Stephen Gasowski on an yep. amazing Patriots career. If he can revive it in Tennessee, I mean that'd be that'd be great. Uh, one of I mean even after that 2015 game, one of the one of the moments that I still remember from his career most is when he hit that. It's when he hit that amazing uh, clutch field goal in Super Bowl Fifty Three. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Pats fans were really nervous because you know, as after that 2015 miss miss extra point, a lot of doubt started to cre started to creep in, and Gostowski started to miss field goals that he never really missed. And he before. was definitely like looking back on last season and even the season of Super Bowl Fifty Three. Yeah. Um, he was showing the signs that he was on his way out, and honestly, yeah. there's no better spot for him than Tennessee, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean. He's going to be with a Patriots guy, Mike Vrabel, but even though he's going to be with a Patriots guy, it's not going to be... I mean, Vrabel kind of runs a team in his own way. He isn't like a Bill O'Brien or like these other guys who kind of take Belichick's mantra and, it, and then makes it part of their team. Mike Vrabel is really his own kind of coach. And that means that he's, he's learned the most from Belichick because he's able to take his own ideas and, and do it just as well as Belichick does, mm -hmm. but it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, th that's... I mean, that, that, and that's probably why he's probably more successful than any than any of the other exactly. proteges. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Bill O'Brien, but Bill O'Brien has been making some very questionable moves. You look yep. at DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of those. A lot and of, even I Deshaun mean, Watson doesn't have the best relationship with the guy. Yeah. How so long I mean, before he's on his way out? Definitely. I mean, for a long time, O'Brien was considered the was it I mean, you could argue it was when McDaniel's wasn't uh, under Belichick's tenure and when he had gone to Denver and and the Rams and all that stuff. You could make an argument that it was McDaniel's who was basically, basically was kind of like the student of the student of the professor. But 
when he came back, it was it was like, oh, Bill O'Brien is that guy. He he's like he's taking everything Belichick Belichick's learned. He's slowly built up a team and he's competing. But then he kind of makes these moves where you're like, eh, I don't really know about this guy. Exactly. exactly. So it's def. So, I mean, he's definitely kind of a interesting guy. It's questionable. And you don't know. Yeah, I would say for sure. Uh, also in the NFL, uh, besides besides you know the great besides the uh, groundbreaking move of Leonard Fournette to the to the Buccaneers and Stephen Kostowski. Leonard Fournette to the south. Golden State Buccaneers. <laughs> Pretty much at this point. Uh, it's, I mean, they're just loading up. Uh, they're just going to be, they're really just going to be going for it Stack. because, I mean, but after this, like, I, it's going to, I mean, you're talking about a collapse. This will be a historic collapse, <laughs> historic if, collapse. if they lose all these guys afterwards. Yeah, they, they better hope they get something out. Like, you have to get a championship yep. at, at this point. It's either championship <laughs> or you completely just tank your franchise for at least the next decade, <laughs> yeah. I believe. Uh, and finally, in the NFL, a story that we had was Josh Gordon uh, is, I guess he's off reinstatement now uh, for, like, the empteen time. Yeah. I mean, he has, I, I mean, props to the guy for being able to, you know, kind of kind of be able to negotiate with Roger Goodell and all that stuff. But, but I mean, it's, but, I mean, it's crazy, but he's but the news that was breaking is that he's finally going back to the Seattle Seahawks, which makes me thrilled. Not not just for him as a player, but for him as a person. Because last week we were talking about how this guy was p- potentially auctioning off his Super Bowl yeah. ring or selling it. That yeah. that made me made me think that maybe he needed that money. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely. It seemed like there were there were talks that it, there were also talks that that was potentially fake but even but even not it it kind of was worrisome to think that he was getting that desperate as mm-hmm. as a person i mean thank god he has a job that he can fall back on now yes. with the seattle seahawks good and, for him i mean nobody nobody deserves it more than him he's a he's a great player and seattle's a great spot for him they're they're known for kind of taking those guys in just yeah. like just like new england yeah and fixing them up i mean p carroll kind of does it in his own way though where you know he will kind of like take take that players take that player kind of polar like opposites energy. with the patriots yeah I mean, it's. I mean, it's very similar where he'll take those guys in, but Pete Carroll will take will kind of take those personalities and he'll let that kind of like run the team in that own kind of way. Exactly. Belichick will take it in. He might like have a little personality to to an extent, but as soon as it starts to hurt the team, he will quash it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference I see with them. But it's but not only is it a good thing for Josh Gordon, but it is a great thing for Russell Wilson. Definitely. I mean, you, you give the guy another weapon, it's never going to hurt, and especially with Greg Olson in Seattle now. Even if he's not running routes, it's still one more guy in the end blocking for him. Exactly. So I mean, you're gonna have Josh Gordon, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and just and I mean, an at, unbelievable roster. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, at the running backs, they still got Carson, and then do they have anyone else? Or, or um, am I just trying to think? I can't put my finger on. Uh, they had one more breakout player last season that I can't remember. I can't remember yeah. his name. Well, if I if I think about it, I'll I'll say it. But uh, I mean, uh, maybe Rashad Penny could have been. Oh, it. Rashad Penny. That's it could have been him. Yep. Uh, and then if. All right, so that that's basically kind of the mostly of what's going on in the NFL right now. Let's shift over to NBA, and you know we were kind of talking before before we actually went off. The game was that night. It was it was Rockets Thunder Rockets game seven. Thunder. Chris Paul had battled back and was and you know he, he was looking strong going into the final minutes of that game, and but unfortunately you know the the pass over to Lou Dort got blocked by James Harden, and it was history for them. And you know I really hate to say it, but I I'm very mad that I'm very mad that the Rockets won I, that I game. definitely wasn't thrilled. Yeah. I wasn't thrilled. Definitely. Um not, nothing this is my opinion, but nothing would have made me happier than see to uh than to see James Harden go down once again in the playoffs around earlier than he always does. Yeah. 
uh, that and especially just to see the Rockets, you know, trade away the guy that they thought was that center of toxicity only to have him come and beat them and, and beat the duo that they thought was going to be like, was going to be like the two buddies that was going to, that was going to change the game for them. Uh, to see if this, to have seen that would have been really special. I mean, Harden didn't play that didn't play great offensively, anyways. But he did have the block to really change the game in that course. So I'll give him that. Yeah, he did have the game-winning play. I mean, what watching it, it was just unbelievable basketball IQ from James Harden, yeah. and I guess that's why he's up there in the MVP race every single season. Yeah, I mean, I I gotta say it though, the, there was a there was a possession along. I think it was within the final five or two minutes of that game. I, it was some of the sloppiest basketball Definitely. I had ever I, seen. I know though. exactly I what mean, you're talking about. I mean, there's guys Hart, hitting the floor. There's guys tipping the ball everywhere. There were it, guys it doing fake flops. Yep. It was it was some of the ugliest basketball like, I've like ever three, seen. Three attempted uh, taking a charge like three times. It was maybe. so bad. I <laughs> I can't even describe how how bad it was. If if you guys go back and watch like the last five to two minutes of that game, you'll see a sequence where. Like it's it takes places on all sides of the court. One guy's take one guy's trying to take a charge, and another guy is. People are diving all over the ground. Uh, I don't think a single basket was made either, though. So to make it completely to make it worse. So Definitely. and that was before that was before Dort and all that stuff too. So it was just a very ugly scene for them. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest basketball no. ever. But but then but then you did see great basketball IQ by Harden on that block. Another player who we'd like to talk about who didn't get that block was J- was Jalen Brown against the Toronto Raptors. Oh, man. Oh, man. Don't yeah. even get me started. Our first playoff loss this season. Yeah. I mean, we were riding really high. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we just transitioned real quick from Rockets Thunder to Celtics Raptors, but I cannot express the amount of frustration I have for Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah. Jalen Brown is a is a very smart and a, and a really great player. I just don't know what he was but thinking. I mean, it, it happens. It no. happens. I, I don't. I didn't really care as much as uh, you'd expect a Celtics fan to care because yeah. it, if the Raptors have to beat us on a buzzer beater, that, that's honestly a good sign. We're, yeah. we're up 2-1. Um, our odds are looking very good at this point. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the end of the world. You know, but I mean, if here's the thing. The Celtics now need to come out gunning because, I mean, the Raptors basically – I, I know it's only one game, but when you but when you do it, but when you have an, such an emphatic buzzer beater like that, where you just completely demoralize the other team, you can almost count it as another kind of half a game. That's how, how they're going to gain momentum. So if the Celtics come come out sloppy, you you better bet the Raptors are going to come out fire. Because they are still a, a great team. The Raptors I mean, are great. Pascal Siakam has taken an amazing step. I mean, but you need to make sure that you, that the Celtics are on their A game when they come out. And I think that you know they're going to be fired up from. From, you know that blown coverage, and I think they will. I think they will end up, you know, uh, hopefully sealing sealing the deal. I mean, the next I, game. I hope so. I yeah. hope for nothing less. So, do you think? So what? So how how many games do you think the series is going to go? Five. You, you you're still thinking five? I'm still thinking five. I I think it, game three was a fluke. I mean, yeah, it was still a very close game, obviously, because it had to end on a buzzer beater. But that that play from Jalen Brown, it's it's a fluke thing that's not that's not who he is they, yeah they've proved it by winning the last six of their playoff games that's it yeah so i mean i personally right now i think it's going to go six depending on how tomorrow goes i could i could honestly agree with you uh i just think that you know the raptors are a good team and and i think that they will win tomorrow but the way that they win will probably will probably de- will probably depend a lot on how i feel if they just completely just like 
just bulldoze them and it continues, then I'll then I'll probably say five. But if they have to really squeak out a win and it's and it's almost kind of an ugly win, then I, then I think that the Raptors probably win win the game that the Celtics would have to clinch. And I think that. And I think that it would probably go six, but I still got the Celtics. Brad Stevens, if you can hear this right now, please go up 3-1 if this series is going to go six games. You're going to save my heart a lot of beats. Oh, please, just go up 3-1. Yep. It'll do us so much better. Uh, also, so, I mean, it's it's very tough. So, do you mean, so, I mean, I mean OG, OG, OG is, I mean, he really killed it for them, though. I mean... Who else is going to hit that shot on that team? Kyle Lowry. Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. But still. Yeah. So, so let's not, I mean, yeah, so it's definitely going to be very weird. Uh, let's take a, let's take a little transition from the bubble and let's, and let's go to a team that is no longer in it, but made a very, you know, a very impactful move for, for the future of their franchise. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets really kind of like, Kind of went out of left field and hired uh, and hired Hall of Fame point guard Steve Nash to be their next head coach. Mm. What are your thoughts? Steve Nash, he has no coaching experience. Yeah, you have KD and Kyrie. It, it's either going to work because you you have so many big names not not just on the team but now coaching the team. It's either going to work. Or it's going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely is going to be a one of two a one of two kind of situation. I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it more as you know Steve Nash is going to kind of be what Steve Kerr is to the Golden State Warriors and kind of what Ty Lue was to LeBron when he was on those final teams. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that's going to push a lot of buttons. I mean, it's it, the report was that Katie and Kyrie were the guy who were the were the people who were clamoring for this guy and really wanted him. So I think that if the so I personally think that if the net, that if they want him they think I think Steve Nash probably will kind of like will kind of like do whatever role he he they want him to be in because they clamored for him so hard. I think that you know like a Ty Lue like like a Steve Kerr like he might kind of like he'll he'll have ideas for how he wants the offense to run because I mean he's an amazing mind mind for the game. But I do think that. But I do think that you know, Katie and Kyrie will kind of dictate the offense more than more than a lot of people like think that Steve Kerr will. I, if I'm a Nets fan, I can only hope that Katie and Kyrie don't have any sort of beef because it's Kyrie, it's Katie, it's there's there's beef bound to happen. Yeah, I mean it's too it's too insanely direct. And I think like, honestly, just clashing personalities. If, if the Nets are going to be a well. The, the Nets will be a playoff contending team. Next yeah, season. I mean they already were this year, and they they, were, they will be. Like yeah, adding Katie and Kyrie to the roster, you you obviously can't go downhill from where you were this season. Yeah. But all I can hope is that yeah, there's no beef because that would tear it apart. And yeah. I think honestly, I'd rather have the team that they had this season than beef between Katie and Kyrie. Yeah, I mean definitely, I agree with you. Uh, one of the things that I do agree with is just the idea that. I mean, we were talking about Steve Kerr, and if the Nets, you know, are if the if their organization if, if it's squeaky clean, nothing is really going wrong with them, then I see Steve Kerr really being a probably a solid addition. I mean, I can't I mean I can't Steve predict him now. Steve Nash. Oh, Steve Nash. My apologies. No, you're good. Yeah. So Steve Nash, I see him probably being I, I could see him being a good players yeah. coach kind of kind of deal. But then again, it could blow up. But if but that's but that's saying if it's squeaky clean. If KD and Kyrie are having a beef, I don't think Steve Nash is going to ha- is going to have that voice where he can step up and mm-hmm. say enough is enough. So, the I mean, KD and Kyrie will need to kind of be on their best behavior yeah. and, and realize, hey, 
if we want to do this, we kind of have to put all differences aside and go for it. Because then Steve Nash does potentially turn into a Steve Kerr, where his team isn't isn't really being coached; it's being coached by the players. Definitely. I mean, I mean, I completely agree with that. And two, um, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, you look at the Golden State Warriors from when KD left, and there was a lot of. Uh, I'll tell you, Kerr handled it well because I mean, there there seemed that there was a lot of turmoil going in. KD was. Katie seemed very, you know, ang- seemed very angry that you know he wasn't being treated as as the star number one because and Curry was, but you know that was Curry's town, mm-hmm. so a lot of people were going to give him a lot more he was, respect. He was the main source of talent on that team before Katie even came. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, you can argue Katie is the better player, mm-hmm. but you know Curry is just going to be the hometown kid yep. because because you know that's where he was drafted. Exactly. That's where he, that's and, where he and rightfully so from from Steve Kerr's perspective. Yeah. I mean, I w- I would do the same thing. Yeah. So I mean. If anything happens like that in Brooklyn, I mean Kyrie, it Kyrie when he when he signed with Brooklyn, kind of like came out and was and was like, you know, what? I I was a Brooklyn kid. I kind of I kind of grew up a Nets fan. I was like I was like posting pictures of him in a Nets shirt. If he tries, if he ends up doing that, and KD is a better player than him, if he tries to do that and be and be like, oh, I'm the I'm the hometown kid and all that stuff. I, one, I don't think the fan base is going to go with that, and two, I think that will really make Kevin Durant mad because he just left the situation where that happened. Definitely, but it's Kyrie. You never know. I, yeah. I have to ask you. So, so this year, obviously, top four in the East. You have a very strong Milwaukee team, very strong Toronto team at two, Celtics are three, and Miami Heat at four. If you do think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be seated in that top four for the playoffs next year, where will they be seated? So, I mean. That's also going to depend on where the other teams go. If you take a healthy Katie and Kyrie team, I think they could either usurp the Celtics, but I, they're at least usurping the Heat. I think. I mean, Jimmy Butler uh, has has been the perfect player for for, the, for that Miami team. I mean, he he plays hard. His stats don't. I mean, hit, the way he plays the game, uh, they don't show up in the stat book all the time. But he is just. Yeah, I mean, the guy is just a dirt dog down there, and that guy just goes at it. It's definitely the best fit for the guy, Oh, for ab- sure. Oh, absolutely. That's I saw just... a quote, I think, uh, not too long ago of Jimmy Butler saying that he, he told his teammates he, was gonna, he, he wasn't going to pass and take a few shots, and they were fine with it. It makes you think that all the beef that happened in, in Minnesota, it, it makes you almost think that Jimmy Butler wasn't, wasn't being given the credit that he deserved because he seems like the most down-to-earth player even in yeah. the interviews and everything, he seems like the most down to earth guy in Miami. Yeah, you could just tell it's a better fit for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's surprising that a guy in my that he would kind of that you know Miami as, a, as like for the cultural aspect of it, and Miami could just kind of be like a lively city and all that stuff. It's surprising he would be he would be able to thrive there. But I mean, you look at I think that you know he would have been an amazing player to watch in the '90s because because I mean. Back in the '90s, he's a lot raw, of guys. He's scrappy. He's scrappy. He's raw, and he was just like, and there, the the social aspect of the game, it was it was emerging, but it wasn't as, but it wasn't like you know teams were always like being super friendly with with other with guys on the other team like they are now. Definitely, I think that he would have been one of those guys in the '90s that a lot of people would have been like, you know, he's just he's just one of those guys, and I mean, he's just gonna be he's just gonna be like straight up basketball twenty four seven. Like he said, the bubble is a business trip for him. Absolutely, yeah. So, but I do think you know, even with his, even with his, um, uh, you know, impact and being a great player down there, I do think that Katie and Kyrie, just the tan of them too, if they end up gelling well, they're at least going to get past them. If the Celtics, you know, end up tripping, tripping up, and you know, ha- having some faults, I think that you know, because I think because Brooklyn is bigger, I think they could hurt him there. 
but it, it's really just going to depend how the Celtics do across the schedule next year, depending on, you know, who who improves, who goes downhill. Is Kemba going to be the same guy next year? I mean, he's in his 30s now. Yeah. So a lot of things are going to depend on that. I mean, I can only hope that a Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference will not be toxic for every other team because yeah. right now the, the East is it's very it's very top-heavy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... It's a lot of it's a lot of like you know really super powerful teams, and then it's just basement dwellers. Def- definitely. So it's I mean you got to hope that you know the rest of the East isn't just swamped by a Katie by a Katie Kyrie team, but you know it it's definitely going to be an interesting story to watch. And I'm going to have to agree with you though. I think if if the Nets do get get seated in the top half of the Eastern Conference playoffs, I think they're only surpassing Miami. Yeah, I, I don't think. At least, At least this first year. At least this first year. I mean, they but I also think they're going to have a slow start. I think they're going to have a lot of kinks to work out. It'll kind of be similar to uh, the, to the big three that happened down in Miami, where you know, I mean, you know, they made it to the finals, but they ended up losing to that Dirk Nowitzki team just because you know they didn't have that year of gelling, and then you know they won those two in a row, and then they lost to the Spurs that, that next year. But you know, it did take them a year to kind of like work out all the kinks and get to that point. Definitely. Oh, speaking of Dirk, I just have to give him credit because nobody remembers that he had to go through Kobe <laughs> and LeBron to win that final. Yeah. So, Dirk, great player. You know, props to him. Uh, let's, let's shift over to baseball now. So, one of the so I mean, one of the stories in baseball that uh, isn't being talked about too much is that I, I was reading an article on ESPN, and basically uh, Rob Manfred, who has made wrong decision after wrong decision for for that for his for his organization and sport. Apparently, there are reports that he is basically going to downsize minor league baseball because he isn't wanting to pay some of the players for overtime and other charges. So basically, uh, the reports are that there will, for for each MLB team, there will only be four affiliates. So it'll so it'll be like you know like single A, double A, triple A, and then like another kind of farm team yeah. for, before you get to the major leagues. Uh, so there's a chance that a lot of teams are going to you know lose funding, and that you know that's going to end. And you know they're just either going to have to go out of business or they're going to have to become independent leagues. So, so I have a question: What is it right now? Can the teams have as many affiliates as they want? Uh, I don't know if it's as many affiliates, but they can have. But there's, I think there's at least over a hundred or so teams that would be losing, you know, uh, partnership with the MLB. The other difference is that M is a MILB uh, minor league baseball is able to work with um uh, is able to work like privately out of its own kind of like organization. I, I believe down in St. Peter St. Petersburg, Florida, if if this deal goes through, which which I believe it already has, they they will actually be moved up to New York just to work as like kind of in like a sub office of the MLB headquarters, and they'll kind of be put aside. And additionally, uh, like all minor league baseball marketing will just be kind of done be done through MLB, and basically minor league baseball as an organization will just become like kind of just like a department of Major League Baseball. Okay, so so not the greatest move. No, so basically. I, I know you're not the biggest baseball guy, but I'll kind of, but from, and I'm not afraid yeah, to admit it. I'm yeah. So, but for my personal intel, it is not a good move for Major League Baseball. I mean, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, minor league baseball players really don't make that much money. So I think that Manfred is being extremely cheap by I've, not. I've heard horror stories of how they have to live. Yeah. I mean, they. Yeah. No. They definitely live extremely cheap. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know why Manfred isn't trying to isn't willing to pony up the money, especially for the horrid conditions in which they live. I mean. 
this they weren't i don't from what i believe it wasn't you know it wasn't a deal of them asking for better conditions that led to this it's just that the fact that manfred doesn't want to pay the money even though they're basically living on buses and you know that and you know they basically rely rely on team catered meals throughout an entire se season yeah. to feed them and even last week we were talking about how the mlb just just can't market players to save their lives absolutely and by by cutting off the way that new players and young talent are propelled into the major leagues i think that's obviously a bad move you yeah, know and additionally to that i mean if i mean manfred's whole thing has been growing the game and getting and getting kids in like the inner city and just around around the usa and the world to kind of have to kind of you know think kind of like flock to baseball and you know be, become big and become big in a baseball but you know if if there's some team out in like you know i don't know blanksville like tennessee if their doors end up shutting because you know baseball doesn't want to doesn't want to play the team, that's an outlet that you know Manfred loses, and that's an outfit that's an outlet that you know Major League Baseball no longer has to promote you know the sport because you know even though it's not Major League Baseball, it's baseball. People are going to assume MLB with with baseball. As soon as you take that outlet away, it's no longer a way that you can attract young fans to the game and get and get more people you know involved with your game. It's I don't see where. Major League Baseball sees this as a positive. It's more of just a slight towards Major they're League Baseball. They're going in the wrong direction. It, they're completely going in the wrong direction. I've been saying that. I mean, the owners are at this point are just too afraid to are just too afraid to kick Manfred out because you know they're keeping they're basically he's basically just keeping you know their pockets safe. Yeah. And you know, you know the fan experience needs to be put first, Manfred. I mean, the way he has treated you know the fans of Major League Baseball has been atrocious. I mean. You can make you can make arguments about what Goodell has done, and you know you can say that you know the way he handled uh, domestic violence was atrocious. I mean, you look at guy you, you look at guys like Ray Rice, uh, Greg Hardy, and um, among others, and he completely botched that. Definitely. I mean, he did awful but with that. None of those decisions compared to things that will will hurt the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely like you look at you look at domestic violence and all that stuff, and people were like, "Wow, this is a big detractor. There seemed to be a problem with it in in the NFL." But at the end, of, but and I'm not. But the good thing is that you know the NFL. What the actually, what was bad about it is that the NFL kind of was just able to make it go away. I mean, you could say that's good for marketing reasons. But another thing that NFL that NFL is good at is being able to market more than just one guy. Exactly. They can market. They can market. They can market a cornerback on the Seahawks. They can market all these different guys. So they can, you know, they, they do have weight. They are better at growing their game than MLB is completely. Definitely. So that is a depart That is one area of NFL that I will say Goodell. I mean, I don't know if he's completely responsible for it, but NFL has gotten that right. MLB baseball has completely botched it. And on top of that, their commissioner is making the same type of wrong decisions that Goodell makes. Yeah. Not, not only to hurt the game, but, but he's also, with the, you know yeah, what I mean? I mean, he's also, I mean, there are also similar like instances of domestic violence, I believe with Addison Russell of the Cubs, among other players. There are just tons of other players that, you know, uh, Aroldis Chapman, the pitcher for the Yankees, he, I mean, there was a, there was an instance of him, of his, of him punching his fiance. Uh, I don't know if his fiance or his girlfriend, but I remember there were instances of that happening. But a lot of this stuff just isn't talked about because in Major League Baseball just doesn't know how to handle it. And the cherry on top, the Astros cheating scandal. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, Major League Baseball is just they're, they're basically their, their book of just all the things they've done wrong. It, it, sometimes, I, sometimes I forget about the Astros cheating scandal, even though it's one of the biggest ones of the past like, of the past like couple decades. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've completely, I completely slipped my mind for and, a second. In baseball, it's, they're 
clearly just in their great depression right now it's like yeah nothing nothing's gonna change until you get rid of the top guy and you have someone come in and start making new fresh decisions yeah. in, the, in the mind of the young player who aspires to be a baseball player. i mean a regime change is evident they they 100 need a regime change they need a guy in there who is going like i mean there were th i mean i remember there was a movement back in, back in the day i mean there are some mlb baseball players that 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 really uh, were hoping that Adam Silver would you know leave the NBA and you know take over MLB and just revive it. If I mean, if anyone could revive the MLB, it would be him. Obviously, I don't think he would ever leave the NBA. I think he's never. I think oh, he's it, put the NBA in such a good. It spot. is such a cushy job for him at this point. I have I see no reason why he would ever try to leave it. But you know, they I don't know who's gonna take the job. MLB does need a guy though, and it's so apparent that they they just need so much help. Someone. It needs to be a complete overhaul. Uh, and so the next story we have from MLB is that, you know, uh, pitching legend, uh, pitch for the Mets, Cincinnati Reds, among other teams, uh, Tom Seaver unfortunately passed away from complications of dementia and COVID-19 at the age of 75. Seaver was the 19, was the 1967 Rookie of the Year. He was a, he was a World Series champion on the, on the 1969 Miracle Mets, 12-time All-Star and three-time Cy Young Award winner. Arguably one of the arguably one of the best pitchers Major League Baseball has ever seen. Uh, I saw Vin Scully, the you know the, the world famous announcer for the for the Los Angeles Dodgers for many years, uh, said that Seaver was the best pitcher that he said he ever saw. Uh, I, at least as a righty, I mean I know he saw Koufax, but you know at least as a righty he said he was one of the best arms he ever saw. Uh, definitely a, a, a devastating loss for Major League Baseball. Uh, I mean, it's very—it's a very sad loss. On top of everything else, yes. Yeah, on top of COVID and everything else going on in the world, it's a very sad loss to see a great pitcher like like Seaver kind of unfortunately pass away. Yeah, I mean, I know the Mets. Uh, one of one of the ways the Mets did honor Seaver is that, uh, and it, because because his pitching because his pitching uh, like style was so unique, uh, his his right knee actually would end up touching the would actually end up touching the dirt on the mound when he when he delivered the ball because that's how low he got. So to honor that, the Mets actually did uh, actually put dirt on dirt on all on the right knee of all their pants to kind of honor that like tradition that Seaver kind of carried. It's awesome. Yeah. So that so that was a, that was kind of a very good nice feel good moment for baseball. Uh, rest in peace to Tom Seaver, one of the, one of the all time goats. Uh, you know, you know, a great pitcher lost. I mean, seventy five was a great year, but uh, but you know, dementia very 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 sad disease for anyone to come down with. COVID nineteen. Uh, COVID nineteen still still a very serious pandemic, but it's unfortunate that you know it had to, and, and complications with dementia, it had to take the life of a really of a really influential and just like a very great pitcher. Uh, and finally, in Major League Baseball, uh, suspensions for uh, for a Rays Yankees skirmish that happened a couple that happened a couple days ago. Uh, they, the results for that were finally handed out. Uh, so, like we mentioned, the world is Chapman earlier. Uh, we mentioned him for completely different reasons, but. Uh, Yankees flamethrower Roldis Chapman uh, has has received a three-game suspension, while the managers for both teams, Kevin Cash and Aaron Boone, have received have received a one-game suspension. I don't know if you saw if you saw videos of the skirmish. No, I didn't. But basically, what happened is there was there was a pitcher, there was a batter for the Tampa Bay Rays. It was in the ninth inning, two outs left, and Chapman. I you don't know if it was intentional or what the meaning was behind it, but. Chapman ended up throwing a 101 mile per hour fastball at the guy's head. The guy luckily ducked out of the way just in time, wow. only to strike out a few pitches later. 
But, you know, on, on the way back, Chapman stared down the guy. Chapman stared, stared down this, this individual. The batter stared Chap, Chapman back. It looks like they were going back to the, the dugouts and reminding their own business. But eventually, you know, the, uh, tensions began to flare, and the two and the two sides just completely met. The two sides completely just cleared the dugouts. Luckily, there were no fights. There, was, there wasn't a fight. But social distancing protocols were definitely broken in that process. So Major League Baseball here is... In a sport where it's so easy to follow them, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, besides, besides, you know, the fighting and all that stuff, it's a fairly decent sport where, you know, this was, this baseball is almost a sport made for COVID, but it's, but it's really unfortunate that, you know, this had to, that this event had to happen. I mean, I don't think, Cha I don't think Chapman should be throwing fastballs at guys' heads, but I mean, in this day and age, these guys just need to know, listen, I mean, you guys can have your beef with people, but you know, if you end up getting too close to guys, MLB is going to have is going to have to suspend people. I mean, you you, you don't have you don't have to like it at all. I certainly am not the biggest fan of it, mm -hmm. but it's just what MLB is going to have to do to kind of kind of say that oh, we're operating in a safe environment for baseball, even though you've had multiple teams have outbreaks of this virus. Yeah. So it's it's basically MLB just kind of covering their tracks for, for this, but we'll have to see what ends up what ends up happening down the line. If if there is any retaliation or anything that happens, we'll have to end up seeing. Uh, so that, so that, that's basically, that basically ends up covering baseball. And I guess, for, I guess for this final segment, before we end up going, uh, down to the wire in, in a little bit, uh, there's, there's a, there's a story out of the University of Oklahoma that for their home opening game, they will be basically using a, uh, because there won't be fans in the stands it, and it will just be, you know, just the players in an empty stadium. There are reports that, that basically, uh, the University of Oklahoma is going to be do, uh, doing pay-per-view games, uh, at least for their home opener, uh, basically to make up for lost revenue and ticket sales. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my initial thought was, uh, how, how much revenue does the NCAA r really take in from from televising games in the first place? Yeah. And my second concern was, how how does how does pay-per-view make you? grow the the amount of viewers yeah i mean watching the games i mean it's definitely just relying on on the idea that uh these football fans are just going to be really dedicated and you know because which i'm sure out, out there they probably are and there will probably and, be a, a large number of people that will pay for the game and, and they're, they're just like oh how much is the game three thousand dollars okay yeah yeah we'll, yeah we'll pay for it it's, take, it's, take my money it's yeah. worth it to see my sooners yeah <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter because you know they're willing to pay for it because you know that's how diehard college football is out there it is everything it is everything to those people out there so i mean i i mean if they're just trying to get a quick buck especially in especially in this pandemic uh i i mean i don't like it i think it's i think that you know they have enough money already and i think that they can cover themselves for for a year of for a year of this revenue loss I don't want to see this become a norm because I think that will be a. I think that is a would be a huge detracting detraction from the game. But honestly, when it's being brought up that the NCAA is potentially going to be starting pay per view games, that does look very good for the XFL. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Because I think it does. Yeah. It's one step closer to having the XFL being a, a separate, different, new segue into yeah. into pro football yeah uh i mean similar to yeah no i completely agree if the xfl is able to take these younger players and you know put them through a develop through a development that 
is different from college. I think that would you know I I think that's I think that's you a look plus. At, you look at Lamelo Ball in the NBA. Yeah, he, he hasn't played in college college basketball. He's doing he's doing it a completely different way, and not even just Lamelo Ball. Some of these other international RJ players. Hampton. You, you get some experience playing pro overseas, except for football. Potentially, you can get your experience playing pro in the XFL. Yeah. Potentially, segue into the NFL. Yeah. Instead, if, instead of keeping this this norm of oh, you graduate high school, you go play for a college. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. What if it, uh, Clemson's football season ends up it does end up uh, going going under, and Trevor Lawrence is looking for a for a team to play with, and you know the XFL opens their doors? I think they're gonna have to put some uh, no helmet to helmet contact <laughs> restrictions. Yeah. Just in just play. a one year deal. Just just it it. I mean, that, it that would, would be, be great. outstanding for the XFL if something like that. Yeah. If they could pull a player like Trevor Lawrence I mean, for a year. But they're going to have to establish just some Trevor Lawrence rules. It is two-hand touch for this guy. <laughs> yeah. we, you are not touching this guy because if, we, if we're if we responsible for, for, for ruining his career, we will go down the tank. You, you see The Rock. He, he has $7 framed above all those XFL helmets because that's how much money he had in his pocket when he was cut from the CFL. <laughs> and th- there's no better guy to be running your league. But, yeah. Pay per view college football games. I'm not the biggest fan. Me neither. I think that I think that they have enough money already, and I mean, it's not boxing. You're it's not, not boxing. You, they're also not paying the players. You can flip the channel and get the NFL for free. Yeah, I mean, you're not. I mean, if that if the, if you if they end up doing that for college football, I mean, college football is kind of like one of. I mean, people talk about the NFL, but college football is kind of a lifeblood of just American tradition. If you do that, then you're really going to be hurting that, in my opinion. Definitely, and. Just not having a season in the first place. Yeah. Also. I mean, obviously we hope that they have a season. It's definitely going to be tough. I mean, just with everything going on. But you know, I know it, the Big Ten isn't right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know the voted. SEC is trying. I know the SEC yeah, is I'm trying. I'm pretty sure I saw that the the Big Ten chancellors voted in favor of not having a season this okay. year. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be a very weird. You know, it's. I I hope that pay per view games. Don't become the norm for for football or any other sport besides boxing. I'm, boxing, I'm not even the biggest fan for boxing, so, so, and and they yeah. having it, but it's just how they have to. It's just how their product works, basically. What, what kind of pressure does this put on the players in the combine? In the combine, I mean, you don't you don't have a an entire last season to play for your college, be be scouted by NFL teams. You, you don't have that potentially. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, do you look at a guy? This is a little off topic, but I'll but I'll kind of say but I'll kind of segue it back. I'll, sh- I'll and I'll tell you why. Uh, I mean, Cam Newton, uh, like throughout his free agency, was posting a lot of videos showing him working out, showing him showing him practicing, and was like really and you know he looked really impressive in these clips. Uh, so I think I think the social media presence of these players is going to be more influential than it ever has been. Just you another know, way that social media it's gonna, is going to work its way into our lives. It's going to be. It's gonna be, you know, the influence. It's gonna be, you know, just highlight tape after highlight tape of these guys just working it, working, putting in, putting the work in the weight room. They might be posting like what what their new, you know, max 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 like squat is. They might be doing all that stuff just to, you know, keep the eyes on the scouts. And then when they hit that combine, they do have to hit it with a strike because there won't be because there won't be a game there won't be game film from that from them for at least a year. Exactly. So you're not having that entire last season. So you you gotta put in your all at the combine. Yeah. And if you don't, that's potentially career ending yeah it, it at least would be career altering i mean you, you it definitely is an immense pressure you need to just be ready so 
I completely agree with you. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, do you think? That, I hope, like we were saying, we hope that other we hope that other NCAA teams do not do this. But if, but do you think that more might try this? The pay per view you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I mean, or do you think this might just be a, a one-off thing that Oklahoma's just trying, and you know, all the end. I, the I hope it's just might. a one-off thing that that teams like Oklahoma are just trying. Yeah. But I think if we do see it from other teams, we're gonna see it more in like the Big Twelve. Yeah. With like teams in the Big Twelve like <laughs> Oklahoma, because that's that's where the the heart of college football is in yeah. the U.S. That's where there's not a lot of NFL teams. That's where people will pay for the games. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I hope that I ho- like you. I hope that it doesn't become a norm. But at the same time, I I mean, every, I mean, money talks. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be yep. what determines. And that's it. not. And that, that's not taking anything away from the SEC. But there are NFL teams. Yeah. Down there, there there's no yeah. NFL team in, in Utah. Yeah. There's no NFL team in Oklahoma. <laughs> so. Yeah. Those are places where you can't you can't just flip the channel and have that that same that same access and enthusiasm about pro football as you do it like with college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a little bit of time left, but you know, let's just talk about some predictions for you know. Let's kind of, since we're still on football, let's actually go. Let's actually end up going back to the NFL before we go down to the wire. Okay. Uh, you know, Cam Newton, new system for the Patriots. Uh, what are your predictions for, how, for for you know wins and you know how do you think you think that it's going to be an upgrade over Brady or do you think that you know Belichick is going to have one of his first ever slip ups that you know struggling with this new dynamic quarterback? So you, you can't you can't really you can hope to upgrade from Brady, but you can really only upgrade from Brady last season. Yeah, you can upgrade from last season's Brady. Yeah, no, you can't upgrade. I think Cam you, you can't upgrade. A huge from, upgrade. From last season's Brady, and I think he will prove that. But until the guy wins six more Super Bowls in New England, he's not <laughs> going to be an upgrade from Tom Brady. Yeah. So I mean, definitely in that position, yeah. So I think that uh, you know, obviously, I've I've been the biggest Brady guy forever. Uh, I think that Cam might be for what this system is in New England right now, with you know being a run-heavy offense, having very few offensive weapons. It's kind of going to be similar to what he had in Carolina because I mean you had McCaffrey and really that was it. Yeah. So I think that I think that Cam might be the type of guy that could make this offense work for the Patriots better than Brady. I mean Brady obviously is able to usually work pretty well with any offense, but Brady is kind of the guy who really works well by when he can pass the ball. Uh, I'm predicting eleven and five. You're thinking eleven five. Eleven and five. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I might go ten and six. Ten and six. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's gonna take some hiccups. I mean, Belichick might just might. I mean, who knows? I mean, the Pats always. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times where you think the Pats are gonna come running out of the gates, but then in December is when they really turn it on. I think I think something like that might end up happening with the Pats, where you know the first couple games there might be some hiccups. So, I I'd, I definitely say look for that. I I think Buffalo takes the AFC East this year. Yep. And I think. There's going to be a battle between Miami and New England for that wild card spot in the AFC. You think New England's got it? But I think New England's got it still. Would it? Is that mostly just on the fact that two is a rookie and 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 there's and there's still talk that he may not play yet? Exactly. That's that's the only spot that's really missing in Miami. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the final one before we end up going down to the wire, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What, I mean, loaded super team, super team ass. Do you think 
I mean, do you think this locks up at least the division for them and, you know, makes them, you know, Super Bowl favorites? The NFC South is is such a tough division. You have New Orleans down there. Yep. You have... Um, Falcons. You have Atlanta and... You have Teddy Bridgewater over in, over in Carolina. In Carolina. I mean, a lot of people are going to discount Carolina because they seem to be rebuilding right I'm now. Gonna, I'm going to discount Carolina yeah. this year. I mean, look out for Matt Rule to, you know, he. I don't think that he's going. I don't think they're going to be, you know, playing for much. But you know, look for them to play spoiler if Matt Rule can, yeah. you know, get can get that program running. And ultimately, it, it's going to come down to to New Orleans and yeah. Tampa Bay. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And which whichever team doesn't win the division will be a wild card team. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. So your predictions for the New England for not the New England Patriots, but. For the, t- for, for now led by former New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. What are your predictions? So we, we have two solid years with the Buccaneers. Year one, 12 and 4. 12 and 4? Year two, this is bold, 15 and 1. Really? 15 and 1. You think so? That team's going to break 44 year old Tom Brady is, 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 is having a 15 and 1 record. Yep. Wow. That is, that is definitely that bold. That is a take, but. It is a take that will will prove to be true after after kinks are worked out. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, he, you're really gonna fifteen and one. I didn't say they were running a Super Bowl though. Oh, I'm not. I I know you didn't. But fifteen <laughs> and one and fifteen and one with a forty four year old quarterback that is definitely saying something. Especially for the fact that the that's Pats out were, there. But especially saying for the fact that the Pats were the twelve and four and eleven and five, and you know, I don't think the Pats had the Pats haven't had fifteen wins since oh seven. When's the last fifteen and one? Carolina, Carolina, Carolina twenty fifteen. Yep. Yeah. I mean if I mean that's a definitely a bold prediction. Uh I think that I think that you know first year like like you said like there might be some kinks to work out but I think but you know Look I think at that, that roster. Yeah. But at the same time I don't know how many kinks are really going to be worked out when you have a super team like that. Exactly. So definitely definitely a very interesting idea but it's going to be a very interesting season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. Uh Patriots fans, Buccaneers fans are going to have some of the most unique seasons that they've had in, you know, at, I mean, Buccaneers have a real, have high hopes for at least the first time since like 2002 when they won it. Yep. And the Patriots are going to be looking for at a very interesting season. You know, will, is, will the dynasty continue in some form or is the, or the Patriots heading, heading in, in a new direction? You know, losing is a novelty. It's something that I want to, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but lo- losing is something that, that us Patriots fans don't get to experience that often. And honestly, give us a few losses this season. Cam Newton is still bringing this team into a very good spot. All right. So, I think it's time. I think we're down to the wire. Yep. It is now 7.54. We are six minutes out from 8 o'clock. We are officially down to the wire, which means we are going to go over all the stuff we talked about in this show in, a, in basically a speed round, kind of just giving you the, the lowdown in case you joined at a later at a later time, and just and just go through with some laps for some last-minute thoughts before we're off for the out. So we kick things off with the NFL. Obviously, a, a groundbreaking move. Yeah. Leonard Fournette signs with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Basically minutes after our show ended. Definitely. So uh, that's definitely a groundbreaking move over in the, there in the NFL. Just probably, I mean, this could be the move that ends up putting them over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Gostowski, longtime Patriots kicker. Uh, great, great career with the Patriots. Uh, heading to the Tennessee Titans, gonna see what gonna see you know what what else he can get in his career there. Similar to when Adam Vinatieri was a very great kicker for, for the Patriots New England. for a very long time. Yep. You know, respect out to Stephen Gostowski. Best of luck to him over in Tennessee. Let's Thank see. You. Let's see. Let's see what he can do down in Tennessee. And then we had Josh Gordon resigning with the Seattle Seahawks yep. off 
off basically reinstatement for the 27th time mm -hmm. but you know we're gonna <laughs> something we're just, like that. we're just gonna have to see how he does over there yeah. uh and then we ended up shifting over to nba where you know the rockets did end up getting the best of the thunder chris paul you know played his heart out really left it all out there i, I think he should have been the one taking that last shot honestly i want to see the guy back in okc next season. you do i love it yeah. i love it yeah i mean definitely was able to work with that young core yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to it, Definitely gonna be tough. It's oh, gonna he, be tough. he's gonna have a revenge season next year. Yeah, if, if we I mean, this was, I, this he's, was the he's, in his, he's in his late thirties now. He, I mean, if we thought this was the revenge season, I can't, I can't imagine the feel that that guy is gonna have him, have in him after that ending in Game Seven. Noted. We'll get, we'll, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Also, we got a year to wait. <laughs> also, also in the NBA, we had Steve Nash going, going to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, it's either gonna be it's either gonna be a bang or a bust. We're gonna have to really wait and see. Is is Katie and Kyrie's pick pick for coach gonna be the guy, or is it gonna you know just go up in flames? It's crazy. It's crazy when you say Steve Nash to the Brooklyn Nets. It, it almost sounds like a player because it's such a big name. Yeah, it's I such mean, such a big name. I mean, he. I mean, obviously, he was he was a player, a Hall of Fame one at that. We'll see. It's definitely gonna be. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see how that goes. And we also just briefly kind of went over Celtics Raptors. You know, the fact that Jalen Brown. Just couldn't block OG, but you know, we're gonna. Have to, but you know, there. You know, let's see. Let's hope they make it up. Let's hope it's over in five, and it's on to the next one. Let's hope. Let's hope. You know, let's let's hope for the best. Uh, then we went over to Major League Baseball. Minor League Baseball is you know per, is basically changing forever. Rob Manfred botched another one, and you know the it, this I, this is only gonna end up hurting the game for baseball. You know, uh, kid. You know, young kids and fans. Are gonna end up losing out on a lot of teams, which is very, you know, which is very, you know, detrimental and sad for the game. I hope that, you know, I hope that, you know, some, the, these teams can carry on in their own individual ways. But without the funding, it's gonna definitely be tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, then we then we went into you know pitching legend Tom Seaver, unfortunately passing away. You know, amazing illustrious career. Uh, you know, one of the all time greats. You know, rest in peace to one of the to one of the best pitchers ever. Uh, then we talked about you know the Yankees and Rays handing down suspensions for 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 a um, uh, for a skirmish that happened at the end of one of the games. You know, it's Chapman ended up get, getting three. Uh, the manager managers ended up getting one. Basically, the suspensions were more for COVID protocol than for any you know than for anything that really happened. So uh, the Chapman three game might have been for more stuff on the field, but the but the things for Aaron Boone and. Uh, and cash were more just kind of like, hey, keep your players in line. So, uh, gonna have to watch that, see if anything happens happens in that field. And then we and then we kind of ended things off by talking about uh, NCAA and the fact that uh, University of Oklahoma is gonna be having their guys is gonna be is gonna be having their games uh, pay per view. And we certainly don't like the idea of pay per view college football. No, we down do. The wire. No, we do not. Uh, and then and then we kind of went back to the NFL and we're talking about you know how do we think the Pats and how do we think the Buccaneers are gonna do? We made some very bold predictions, yeah, we especially have, when it comes to the Buccaneers. Yeah, Carter has them going fifteen and one. Not this year, next year. All right, good, good. thank you for the clarification. Yes. With a forty-four-year-old quarterback. All right, I think that's all the time we have. It is currently seven fifty-eight. We're gonna we're gonna let you guys we're gonna get off a little early. But uh, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Carter Adams. And this Thanks has been for down watching. the wire. And this has been down the wire. We'll see.